Grace, mercy, and peace be yours. This ascension of our Lord observed, observed day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The ascension of our Lord. What does this mean? Well, just as we sang today in our intro it from Psalm 47, God has gone up with a shout. The Lord, with the sound of a trumpet, God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. This is how David rejoiced in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, when God had made it known to him that the Savior would ascend into heaven and sit at the right hand of God, the Father, of, of Almighty, Father Almighty. But is Christ's ascension into heaven really an occasion for such rejoicing? For by his ascension, didn't he just leave us? Did he not leave this earth and withdraw his presence from us so that we could not see him anymore? In a certain sense, Yes, Jesus Christ made himself absent. But still, we must rejoice with David, as David says in that same psalm, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our king, sing praises. Although Christ is absent in a particular way, yet in another way, in a higher and in a more important sense, he is present with us. The presence that we have today was brought about by the ascension of our Lord. Christ is absent yet fully present. Well, on one hand, in what particular sense is Jesus Christ absent? Well, in our gospel we heard, So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Also, in Acts we heard, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. Our Lord Jesus Christ was taken up into heaven and seen no more. After our Lord's ascension into heaven, he was no longer exposed to the view of men. And that is the true nature of his absence. Jesus had permanently changed the body of his resurrection into an invisible body. As far as we here on earth are concerned. But this is not new because occasionally Jesus had done this before. After his resurrection, when Jesus showed himself to the disciples, he would suddenly appear in the midst of them. And then again vanish. 
and disappear before their eyes. But now, this time, this was different. He slowly disappeared before their eyes. It was done in such a manner to convince them that from now on they would see him no more. Jesus would not show himself visibly on this earth in their time ever again. And the Lord, the Lord did not ascend in the manner that we may think of. It was not Jesus ascending and ascending and ascending like a balloon until he was a tiny speck in the sky. No. He only went up to a certain height where he was still plainly seen by the disciples below. Then a cloud came, and Jesus was enveloped in that cloud and seen no more. Our Lord had passed from the visible to the invisible. And he sat down at the right hand of God. Now Jesus, we know that he is God and man in one person. Now, the divine part of Christ alone could certainly not be seated at the right hand of God in his ascension because according to Christ's divine nature, he had been with God since eternity. It was according to his human nature that he sat down at the right hand of God. Well, what does this mean? It means that according to his human nature, Jesus Christ, in all glory, assumed the full and constant exercise and position of universal dominion and rule. Government over heaven, government over earth, and all creatures therein, and especially over his church on earth. Since Christ ascended into heaven and sits upon the right hand of God in such, such a manner, then how are we to look upon him? Did Christ remove from this earth his human body and take away from us the very same body that was born of the Virgin Mary? The body that suffered under Pontius Pilate. The body that was crucified, died, and was buried the human body that descended into hell and on the third day rose again from the dead. Did Jesus take away that body, that flesh and bone, into the unlimited space above us? Is that body so now far beyond the stars that no telescope could ever reach it? Or is there a particular place in the sky where God the Father, like an earthly king, has a, has a nice big shiny throne that he sits upon with Jesus Christ, his son, sitting dutifully at his right side. Is the very human body of Christ as far away from us as the heavens are from the earth? No. 
For one, God is spirit. God is everywhere, and God cannot be confined to a certain spot. Christ himself says immediately before his ascension, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, it is true that the earthly manifestation of Jesus our Lord came to an end on Mount Olive. And in a certain sense, Christ is absent from us since the day of his ascension. The face of the Lord is seen no more by mortal eyes. The thrilling and authoritative voice of the Lord is heard no more. But what is it that is really absent? Is it his body? No, it is merely his visible conversation, for he was taken away in a cloud. It is merely his lowliness that is absent. Jesus no longer has the form of a servant, but the form of a king. And unto him is given all power in heaven and on earth. He is withdrawn only from our actual sight. And it shall remain so until that great day. The great day when he shall return and come from heaven in a cloud with power and great glory to judge the living and the dead. So then, in, in what sort of sense is Christ present? First, First and foremost, we must guard against the theory that Christ is only spiritually present. This would be to say that he left his divine part to be present with us, but not his human part. It would be to say that Christ is present only insofar as our thoughts are occupied with him, and that we believe in him, and that we only deal with him spiritually in our minds and in our hearts. At that very moment, it would be that it's when we feel and experience his gracious, divine, yet only spiritual presence in our midst. It is then that he fills our soul with peace and comfort and joy. My friends, this theory is wrong. It makes two Christs out of one. There is but one God and one mediator between God and man. And according to that theory of Christ's spiritual presence, there is one Christ that is out there beyond the stars and another Christ who is with us in divine nature only. Make no mistake, Christ's divine and human nature are inseparably united in Christ's person. There is but one Christ. It is just as there is no living man, any man who has a heartbeat and breathes. There's no living man that can have a body in one place and his soul be a thousand miles away. Christ's human body 
cannot be disconnected and separated from his divinity. So then, wherever Christ's divine nature is, there also must be his human nature. Though Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, yet he is still fully present with us. Not only spiritually, but bodily. This is the very reason why we, with David, must rejoice over Christ's ascension. If Jesus had withdrawn his own body from us, what comfort would be left of the ascension? We would be left mourning over his departure, just as we mourn over the departure of those we love. But this, this is the true comfort and benefit of the ascension of our Lord that Jesus no longer confines his bodily presence to a certain location. He is present everywhere, invisibly. Jesus is present, bodily present in heaven above and on earth below. And it is his ascension that brought this about. It exalts his human nature. It gives to his human nature divine glory and majesty. Divine glory and majesty deserving of the God-man who bears the marks of crucifixion for you. Our Lord's ascension is so that the man Jesus is just as eternal, almighty, and omnipresent as the God Jesus is. Christ is bodily present everywhere, and he is crowned Lord of all. Lord of all, so that we may receive the benefit of his presence. We seek him in his word and in his sacraments. For we must know that we are lost and condemned sinners, and that we cannot by any other way be saved but by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us. We must have Christ. We must make him our own that we might live. Christ is fully present in his word with his saving grace from our gospel. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Here in our gospel, Jesus institutes the office of the holy ministry to have his gospel preached in all lands. And he promises to save all who believe this gospel. That means that Christ himself is present where his word is being preached, invisibly present. Through the word, Christ offers unto all who hear the preaching of the gospel the treasures of his grace, forgiveness, life, 
and salvation. And in the early times of the Christian church, Christ also gave certain signs to them that believed. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Christ promised these signs to his early church. These are not as witnessed among Christians in our days because there is no necessity for them. For the apostles, well, it was different. They had quite the world of heathenism to break down. And not only that, they had to introduce the Christian religion to the world. For this reason, their preaching was supported by certain miracles. They went out and preached everywhere, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. The Lord is with us, not only with his word, not only with his gospel is Christ bodily present, he's also present in our sacraments. For whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. When anyone of any age is baptized, Jesus is present and blesses that child of God. In baptism, Jesus is fully present and gives to the Christian forgiveness of sins. And the Lord's Supper as well. In the Lord's Supper, Supper, Jesus is bodily and spiritually present. In, with, and under the bread and wine, Jesus gives us true, his true body and blood so that we may know that our sins are forgiven. And it is not a mere spiritual eating and drinking of his body and blood. And the bread and the wine, are they're not just signs or emblems to remind us of the body and blood that he so dearly gave for us. But, but there at his table, but here at his table, his real and true body and blood is mysteriously connected with the bread and with the wine. It is sacramental. But it's also incomprehensible. That which is given to us for the forgiveness of sins and to strengthen our faith. In the ascension of our Lord, we have seen, though Jesus is absent from our eyes, Christ is not absent from us. Christ is risen. Christ is living. Christ is bodily and divinely present. The main point of the ascension of our Lord is this. Jesus Christ became more present by his ascension than he had been before. To this day, the promise continues. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen.
peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.